Yes, it's the State of Combat Podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell. Back with a bang. Back from Las Vegas. Back, ready, jacked. Syringe filleth over. Ready for injection of that performance. Enhancing audio. I back. Trust me. I bet. Oh, yeah, the Brian Campbell, the voice that you hear. What a wild 7, 8, 9, 10 days it has been. UFC 239, International Fight Week. Oh, heck yeah. The Hall of Famer, Sugar Rashad Evans, had some family things to get to. Will not be joining us on this show, but my boy B-dubs and yours, Brandon Wise in the house. Brando. We're ready to talk MMA, bro. We got a big show. People can revisit our collaboration, which was the UFC 239 instant analysis show from my Las Vegas hotel room Saturday night. Now we're going to spin it forward this week. How the hell are you feeling? You're facing the pain of a Las Vegas body hangover? Yes, 100%. I don't think I've slept better than I did the night I landed in Fort Lauderdale on Sunday. I think I got about nine or 10 hours straight of sleep and I haven't done that in probably 12 or 14 months. So I feel a lot better than I did in Vegas. I went to the gym yesterday. I'm starting a new training program at uh, our boy Rashad Evans's place with Henry Hooft and them yeah, boys. Look at this tough guy, B-dubs. Uh, first it was boxing sparring. Now you're going to a legitimate MMA gym. Is this what you said when you when you basically walked in there? You say something else, I'll whip your ass in the octagon, bitch. How did they respond to that? I did not say that because there are a lot bigger and scarier people than me walking around that gym. So, no. By the I way, shout out very to Floyd quiet. Mayweather getting his soul taken by that uh, <laughs> by that street dribbler. Who was the guy that did it? The Bone Collector. I don't know much about the Bone Collector. Ghetto man, and he fights in a ghetto way. Uh, sounds God. like a ghetto superstar to me. I love it. Love it. Floyd with the high socks took an L. But in this gym, B-dubs, are you cohabitating and working out with professional fighters? Yes. There was Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts running the pro class next to us with uh, Linton Vassal. Um, Ong Song Lang, I think is how you say his name. The one double champion over there. Um, trying to think of who else was there that I saw. There's a, a lot, I mean, a ton of aspiring mixed martial artists that are on their way up through the ranks and stuff. So there's a lot of big name pro athletes down here in South Florida. Good for you, man. Getting at it. Uh, you're, somebody's taking the sparring match seriously, it seems. You're getting yourself Somebody ripped. has to. Dude, the, the, by the way, we're close. We are close to that light <laughs> switch getting flipped. Do you want to know why? Because six days of Vegas food just destroyed. Bro, Vegas has the I've – devel- I've developed this, this theory now. I think it's true. Vegas has the worst food in this country. And I know people are going to say, what are you, crazy, BC? You haven't eaten at this, this, and this place. Yeah, I haven't. You want to know why? Because it's like $250 to eat at those places that you're going to mention. I'm sure they're great. I've had the top shelf steak there. It's great. But for a regular person, man, that food sucks and it hurts. All right? Dude, I looked at the room service one day just because I was curious and wanted to get like a cup of coffee. The coffee was $18. Oh, boy. It's like, what are you doing to me? Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to go back next week for Pacquiao (laughs) Thurman. All right. Hey, we do have a loaded show for you today. Two big-time guests. Mr. Faber himself, UFC Hall of Famer Uriah Faber, who returns this Saturday, by the way. Comeback fight. 
on the UFC Sacramento card. He's going to chat to us about this return, about being a dad, all that good stuff. But I know you want even more than that. And we got it for you. Former UFC welterweight champion, Ruthless Robbie Lawler coming at you from a rooftop in NYC where not only is Robbie spitting hot fire, B-dubs, but it was hot as a ball bag in that 90-degree New York City morning weather. Robbie and I were in a damn sauna atop that roof. I gutted it out, but it's an interview you want to hear. Why? Because he responds to everything Colby Covington said during this week's visit on the Ariel Hawani show on ESPN. So it's going to be some audio you want to hear for sure. Uh, Brando, you and I experienced that quote-unquote dry heat in Las Vegas where they try to downplay it because it's 104, but there's no humidity. No, there's no humidity, but there's the tongue of hell uh, singeing your, your open flesh and skin. I did a CBS H- Sports HQ hit from there in the shade, and my feet were burning, bro, like legitimately going to burn off. This was, um, I, I feared swamp ass coming in. That's why the good folks at Ballsy, who have outfitted me with a ton of awesome men's hygiene products from the ball wash to the sack spray to the nut rub. By the way, products I use and used in Las Vegas. Could have used them on the rooftop in New York today. But Brandon, this was a different kind of penetration from the heat, if you will. I think you did. <laughs> you were late on that one. Um, yeah, I've never experienced dry heat before. And I could I told somebody today I could feel my pores closing, which was really weird as opposed to de- being down here in South Florida where you walk outside and your body just starts covering in water <laughs> because it's so humid <laughs> outside. Um, yeah, that heat was no joke, man. Like like not to sound weird, but my lap, my lips got chapped almost instantly when I landed in, in Vegas. That yeah. was it's just so odd. And I'm sure there's people listening to this who live in – and by the way, they're like, you know, stop complaining, BC. Or maybe people who live near you in South Florida going, stop complaining, BC. Or maybe people who live on my street in Connecticut and deal with humid summers that are saying stop complaining. But I'm going to complain for a second. Hey, UFC, I love you. I love that your businesses and offices are in Las Vegas. That's great. I love that you do International Fight Week, which, by the way, this year was awesome. Not just UFC 239, but everything around it. But can we not do this in July in Las Vegas? Maybe like maybe our Super Bowl card can go anywhere else. Minneapolis? How about that? Anyone anyone busy in Minneapolis in July? I mean, come the hell on, right? Minneapolis was the week before. That was the uh, JDS. Yeah, and they card. they mixed it up. They basically. I mean, come on, Dana. Please, Dana. Please. Oh, come on, Anderson. I say, come on, Dana. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on. Dana say, no, 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 no. I say, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 Dana. I mean, come on. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. All right. Hey, remember that time Anderson Silva's PR people invited me to a uh, workout in L.A. where they where it said explicitly in the email, you can bring your significant other? Bro, that's not a workout. That's an indecent proposal. How is no one talking about that? <laughs> Yeah, we're not going to talk about it here either. All right. Okay. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, I don't, I'm not that you uh, inspected my man, my man sauce or anything, but uh, the folks, at, the, well, sorry, wrong choice of words. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my male sauce. Uh, wait, wait, wrong, wrong adjective, wrong <laughs> verb. Wow. Um, but I can hook you up with some good products from the people at Ballsy, keeping me fresh all 
summer long. That nut rub, I use it everywhere, all right? All right, that's it. That's it. Did this become a podcast after dark again? Like, what are we doing? (laughs) Patreon subscribers can press one to, uh, (laughs) yeah, all right. Hey, let's get back on track. We got a big show coming at you, and you're going to hear it right after a word from our friends and sponsors coming at you right now. Dig it. And we're back. All right. BC and B-dubs coming at you. Rashad Evans taking a break this week. A well-deserved break, by the way. I mean, Brandon, the guy went into the Hall of Fame this past Friday and had that epic viral moment of the damn earthquake happening during his speech. And then he had to deal with the schmo on the red carpet. I mean, I I don't know if you saw that video, but um, shout out to Rashad. Love me. Love me some sugar. Pour some of that. Actually, don't. But what you know, what do you got? You were about to say something. No, that that's what I was gonna say. It was that earthquake was just like almost it almost became the viral moment of the weekend until Ben Askren was obliterated in the face. Yes. But yeah, man, that was uh, again, we said it on the on the incident analysis show that there were two earthquakes while we were both together in Vegas. And we didn't feel either one of them. Oh, the, well there was three. I felt the third one in my pants after eating that uh what was that? That uh Remember I had that pancake? You got, pu- you got poutine. Oh, yeah, I did that too. Remember I had that pancake at Tom's Urban? That It was the size of a plate, and it had chili on it, and it had, like, spicy wings on top of it. What was I thinking, dude? You got fried chicken on, with a potato base of some sort. Cornbread pancake. And I had the warlock sitting next to me telling us, you want to talk about Patreon after hours, telling us very <laughs> indecent things about his personal life. Love that man, Gareth A. Davis. Anyway, yes, earthquakes became the theme that week. I, I really hope, seriously, not just because I'll be in L.A. and Vegas this next week. I hope that's all buttoned up, bro. Me too. I mean, before we got into the arena on Saturday, I was kind of like, what's going to happen if there's another one? Like, is that big giant Jumbotron going to start shaking and I'm going to have to run or something? Like... Uh, yeah, not good. Uh, we do. Uh, we broke all things down UFC 239 in our instant analysis show on Saturday. I did want to catch some things on the spinoff. Many of those members not only appeared on the Ariel Hawani show on ESPN, but we got a lot of news. I want to start with our new boy. By the way, I didn't give this guy love coming in. I love him now. Maheta, Maheta, Mahet. That song, by the way, epic, right? That entrance song he has. Are you ever going to say anybody's name right? By the way, that entrance song, though, from Shago, Shago Santos, is epic, bro. You know the one I'm talking about, right? That walkout uh, song? Sing it again, please. No, I, I, need I, to I hear it. It's one per show. Once per show, all right? <laughs> it's, I, I, don't, I can't smell that thing again. It is a beautiful aroma that arouses me. Um, he dislocated every single part of his knee. The MCL, the PCL, the ACL, the RCL. And- the uh, meningitis. What, what else? Did he, the <laughs> Meniscus. Meniscus. Uh, dude, the guy's knee fell off. Yeah, Brandon, he went five hard rounds, and people like Brett Okamoto and many others actually thought he won. How tough is, uh, A, how tough is Shago? B, is he ever going to walk again? Was this worth it? And C, I don't have it. What do you got, bro? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're saying he's going to be out until at least 2020. It's like, well, yeah, (laughs) he's going to have to have, like, multiple surgeries on that knee just to get all the ligaments back together Uh, him walking again sounds like it's gonna take him at least a year 
just because it's so much damage and cartilage injuries on that knee now. I, I could not imagine him coming back to the Octagon before International Fight Week next year. Right? Like, think how long did it take Anderson Silva to come back from the shattered shit? He came back somewhat quickly, right? Like, not John Cena quickly, but not Tony Ferguson quickly, but somewhat quickly in his old age, right? But, like, a normal football player gets an ACL injury. They're out six to eight months most of the time for explosiveness and all that kind of stuff. I, I just can't see him getting that kind of quickness with that much damage like tony ferguson was just the lcl right it was just one ligament snapped out of nowhere freak injury this is four different ligaments in his knee that have just completely dis dislodged and are no longer connecting the main pieces of his leg together so i think he's gonna be out until at least march that's just a random guess shot in the dark I hope he could be the same because with a performance like that, it's like you want to see him against the very best coming up. I mean, like you want it, man. Just as badly as I want to play you this Maheta song here. Hold on one second, Brandon. Tell me if you can hear this. Stay with me. Stay with me. <laughs> Maheta, Maheta, Ma- bro. How good is that song? A and B. Is there any chance they're singing "Kill Whitey"? Because I don't even care at this <laughs> point, bro. Because that song's badass. All right. Thank no, you. They're, they're talking about sledgehammers. Just so you know. Okay. Um. Yeah. I, just by the way. Let's think about for a second if he won that fight just offhand. Like if the if another judge gave him 48-47. We're talking about the division being backed up again and John Jones probably fighting for an interim title later this year. Yes, yes. Um interesting stuff, dude, coming out of this. Not only that Thiago Santos will not capitalize this, on this for a while. Not only Jones asking fans who he should fight and somebody tweeted Dom Reyes. He kind of liked that. Then somebody tweets your boy, Johnny Walker weirdo, who by the way, the other day at the red carpet of the hall of fame said he wouldn't mind moving up to heavyweight to fight in Ghana. What? Um, John was like, no, nah, nobody knows who Johnny Walker is. Why would I do that? Hey bro, nobody knows who Anthony Smith is. Nobody knew who Tiago Santos was unless you're a hardcore fan. What am I not missing here on your guy? I don't know, man. Like, this is John being just kind of – he's kind of starting to sound like Luke, man. Like Which with Luke? His cocky... Luke Rockhold or Luke Thomas? Where are you going with this? <laughs> Luke Rockhold. With his cocky attitude about who he's supposed to fight and whatnot, I don't like this side of John. It's like, dude, we get it. You're the best ever. But, like, if you're really looking for legacy fights, get the hell out of 205. Like, why are you still doing this stupid game with fans where you're asking them for fights, but then anytime they bring in opponents to you that you don't care and you think that they're beneath you? Well, yeah, they're beneath you. You're the GOAT. <laughs> like, none of these guys are going to be on your level yet until they play, they fight you and beat you if they do. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I really can't. Uh, this is not a becoming of the GOAT. You should be like, yeah, man, I'll fight them all, dude. I'll fight DC Steep. Here's what I don't want to happen. What I do want to happen is John to go to heavyweight. What I also do want to happen is if DC beats Stipe in August, that they do DC 
John Jones 3. It's the biggest fight you can make in the sport, arguably, besides maybe Habib Connor 2. And I don't want that to be 205. That's a, like, if it has to be, it has to be. But come on, don't do that. Um, I, I even want John to lie to us. You know, Floyd used to lie, Floyd Mayweather, and then fight, like, whoever he wanted. But he'd lie. The, I almost respect in combat sports liars who give us what we want, Brandon, than people who are just like, ah, yeah, nobody knows that guy. Why would I fight him? Um, on the other hand about John Jones, I didn't know about this until I was on CBS Sports HQ this morning with my boy Tommy Tran. You know T.T.? You know my guy Tommy T? Yes. Great hair part, right? Yes. Fantastic hair in general. Tommy T told me he read that John Jones fought in a passive style to a certain degree against Shago because, Brandon, he had watched his teammate Holly Holm get KTFO'd right before that. I didn't think about that at the time. Of course, a lot of people that week were talking about that Albuquerque parlay. I may or may not have bought in on that and came up empty <laughs> at the windows, uh, but... I didn't think about that emotional connection there, you know, because uh, they're friends. They're very close. You know, Holly's divorced and John and her very close, it seems, on social media. Do you think there's any – would you put any stock in that, bro? Yeah, I, it makes sense. It's the same kind of feeling where if Holly would have won, a lot of the coaches that are on Amanda's team were on Tiago's team as well, you know. Like they're both ATT products with they share a head coach and Conan, your boy. So I could have seen that happening the other on the other side, too. Does Conan Silvera have a nickname by any chance? <laughs> I think it's just the one that you gave him. All right. All right. Come on. It fits. It fits. Brazilian Trek. I mean, it's perfect. It is perfect. <laughs> but what a week for ATT, brother. What a week for your backyard. Um, let's do anything else spinning off of two thirty. Oh, not related to two thirty five, but John Lineker got cut and one championship picked him up. Welcome to Singapore. You 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 feeling that? I like that. I think what's his weight class gonna be though? That's my only question because obviously he's had issues with his weight cut in the past and they do the different types of hydration cut like system. So is he gonna be like a one fifty five er there? Um I don't know. I don't know. We'll I would get, I would guess that would be his natural weight, quote unquote. That just was weird to me. That whole exit. I'm sure there's more to the story. Uh, speaking of two thirty nine, yeah. Sorry, Dana was the one who gave a quote after they made that decision this week and said that John was just very unprofessional in the way that he went about his business. So mm-hmm. whatever that means. Interesting. So um, here's what I'm going to say about Ben Askren. You would think he's the big loser of UFC 239. He's, he, I mean, he got, we've said it in the reaction show. It's, it's an all time epic moment, whether you think it's distasteful and disgraceful or, or amazingly awesome. The combination of the knockout in five seconds and Masvidal's celebration. But Brando, did you see and hear the way that Askren took that L? And surprisingly, two days later, shows up via Skype on Ariel Hawani's show. And does like 36 minutes. I mean, look, Ariel's in such a power position in this business, and he deserves it. He's a day one-ish guy. He's a hard worker. So he gets these kind of exclusives. But even under the guise of um, if someone's going to get this interview, it's Ariel. I never would have guessed that Askren would do it on Skype, would do it two days later, and would in a lot of ways kind of make fun of himself and kind of praise George to a degree. And be like, look, bro, this is why I teach my kids. You got to walk your losses down. You got to stand up and say, yeah, it happened. Now, how am I going to fix it? How am I going to come back? I love that. 
just like I loved the way Conor McGregor dealt with the first Nate Diaz loss and said, I'm going to learn from this. You're going to see I have to do this again at 170. I have to run it back right now. I love when people stand up to the L. This was an all-time stand-up to that L. And I don't know, by the way, how he claims that he has no lingering effects from that. And if that's true, then that's beautiful. Thank you, Fight Gods, because he says no headaches, no nothing. It was like it almost didn't happen. How do you? What's your take on this? That was some refreshing stuff, top to bottom. I thought his comments on Twitter, even like where he's like quote tweeting Heather Hardy, saying like this is bad, like the the trash talking and everything that went on back and forth. And he's like, yeah, I probably deserved it. <laughs> I was like, I mean, yeah, you did probably deserve it, but that's great. Like. He did everything leading up to this fight and then post fight that you'd want as a promoter, right? Like he helped you sell the crap out of that pay-per-view. People were more like we talked about before. People were more excited about that fight than really either the main event or co-main event. And it was because of the trash talk and like the perceived and real bad blood between them. So for him to come out and say, yeah, you know, like he gets – he won. He gets to to celebrate however he wants, except for the fact that he said, I think it was that there's no like there's no way he could have planned on like making me hurt more. <laughs> he said something along those lines where it's like, or I didn't want to hurt Ben to to a certain degree. And he's like, well, dude, did you not want to hurt me or did you want to hurt me? Because yeah, I, I like that that breakdown he had, which is basically I didn't get him more angry than anyone else would be in a fight trying to knock out the other guy and end in like end him from his consciousness to win. So I get that, but this is something that Luke Thomas had, had take had a take he had given on his uh, Twitter and YouTube <coughs> channel. There are certain dudes in life, in the fight game and your job in society at the train station that you just don't poke the bear. And when you poke the bear of the people who are real, like, <sighs> Habib, if you want to find me, please just send me location. These people, send me location. thank you, thank you. These, you know, hey. Okay, yeah, got it. These people will show up to that location and they will fight you. So I actually disagree with BA on that and say some people get better when they're angry and more ruthless and will figure out how to do things like that to you. And might brawl with you after the fight, like Habib or like Jorge did to Leon Edwards. So I do think there are lines, Brandon. Hey, man, he said he's going to find him at Whole Foods one day. So just make sure you got the videos ready to go for that. Yes, indeed. Yes. Um, I think that's all I have to say about 239. You? You want to make some more Song Yudong jokes? That's that's not acceptable. I've never made one in my life, nor <laughs> on, in front of a microphone. Okay, the Donger and I are great. You heard him on our podcast. Love that man. His his mentor, Mr. Faber, oh, will be on the show today. Do you, do you want to talk about the Holly Holm stuff? Well, I, we you know I'd made a passing comment when we talked in our instant reaction show about the idea of Dana White saying Holly should retire and pushing thirty eight. If she can't get over the hump against the elite, maybe she should for stoppage loss. I said, is the, are there is there a boxing super fight we can make? You and I determined that Clarissa Shield's probably too big, but I saw on BoxingScene.com, which, is, by the way, is a CBS property. So shout out to Rick Reno and the folks at Boxing Scene, a great website for up-to-the-second boxing news. 
uh, that Katie Taylor, the Irish Olympian and rising women's star at lightweight, 135 in the boxing game, is interested potentially in Holm. Now, they did say in the story that Holmes' KO loss somewhat mutes that idea, but I wonder if that's a possibility. I don't know Holmes' contract status, but if she she obviously was a boxing champion at a time when no one cared about women's boxing, then was a major part in the Rousey-fueled rise of women's MMA, it may be nice for her to brand and to go back and collect a couple paydays if possible. And you consider Katie Taylor, someone we didn't think of at the time, is in her weight class in boxing. So is Michaela Mayer, the top-ranked uh, women's unbeaten prospect who fights on ESPN a lot. I don't know, man. Why not, right? So when we talked about it at first, I was kind of like, no, why would she do that? That seems like a really bad idea. She's older now. She's taken more damage in UFC fights than she had in her boxing career. And really at the time, I was like, that's just like, why? But now I'm thinking about it more and more. She's become such a star now that if she goes to women's boxing right now, it's going to help that brand in that sport, I think. I think it would help like – a rising tide lifts all boats scenario where people are going to care about women's boxing if she's involved. So I think for those kinds of reasons, and like you said, getting a nice payday out of it, I would, I would understand her deciding to do that. What about the synergy potentially? I'm just spitballing here. All right. All right. Let me belch a little. Okay. Um, (laughs) UFC is, Oh God. Why? Why? I didn't say anything. Don't oh god me. All right. Well, it's not like I hit any creepy buttons on our um on our soundboard. I could be fat. I could not have a six pack, but my dick works. <laughs> my dick works. Yes, it does. It works very well. All right. Um, ESPN has big time money invested in both UFC and Top Rank. What if they did like a Holly Holm, Michaela Mayer, and made it a giant deal on ESPN? That's a ratings grabber, Brandon. Does she have the drawing power yet, Michaela? No. Not on so this would be this would be using Holly's star power to try and get her some some shine. Yes, yes. Michaela, a slick boxer, not a lot of power, but is tall and long for her division. And Katie Taylor, by the way, fights under the DAZN brand, uh, streaming app in the yeah. U.S. So interesting stuff there. That's all I want to talk about from 239. You? That's it, bro. All right. That's all I got. That's it. That's it. We're going to move on. Move Let's on. Let's talk about more fun things. Move on. All right. Let's talk about Colby Covington. So okay. this broski was on the um, Ariel Hawani show this week, and he mogged out. He let it out. He did all the things. But he talked very sharply and in-depthly about Robbie Lawler's exit from ATT American Top Team, Coconut Creek, Florida, your backyard down there. And kind of basically said, I'm the captain of this team, meaning Colby Covington. I'm the guy who brought the UFC title to the White House for the first time. I'm the leader in that locker room. Robbie Lawler betrayed us when he left. And he only left because, according to Colby, ATT put up a, and you saw this there, right? They have these giant photos. Frame, I don't know if they're framed, but they're giant they're blown up photos on the wall of its gym members in big moments. Even our boy, the great King Mo, is up there with his Risen title after winning a tournament. King Mo, where are you? In your house, right? In my home. This is my home right here. This is America Top Team. Don't don't disrespect me in my home. Well, ATT did not disrespect you, King Mo. They put your picture up, but they also put one up 
of Tyron Woodley, who does some time at ATT, but specifically, Brandon, from his knockout of Robbie Lawler at UFC 201 to win the UFC title. Colby said to Ariel, Robbie, upset at that, went to Dan Lambert, had a big argument. That's why Robbie left ATT and betrayed his teammates. That's some serious stuff, bro. Before we hear Robbie Lawler's reaction to that, what you got? What you got, bro? I just don't understand how it's a betrayal of teammates. Like, if you have an issue with a teammate and you don't like that he's getting more shine than you, then yeah, you're going to be mad about it. Like, dude, you're memorializing a defeat that you had. Like, I completely understand Robbie saying, the hell with this. I'm going to go train somewhere else. I, I I don't got time to stand here and watch my, like, remember a defeat of mine. Like, that's kind of mean, <laughs> you know? Especially for a guy like Robbie, who's been in the game for so long, to have that moment, like, after he had been a champion for a while at 170, memorialized up there, like, I get it. Bro, Robbie turned pro in 2001. Made his yep. UFC debut in at UFC 37, 17 years ago. I'm not even sure Macy Barber was born yet when he when he turned pro. That's insane. So just to go off of what you're saying about, we're going to hear from Robbie in a second. Pat Militich quote tweeted Ariel Hawani's tweet of the Colby interview from yesterday and said, Robbie doesn't talk trash, but he has been known to hospitalize everyone who does. Keep feeding the monster, Colby. Well, I would not. Disagree with that. As we know, the great soundbite from the great Robbie Lawler one time said on Atlanta local TV in 2016 talking about Conor McGregor. Because if I heard him, I wasn't taking his neck. What were you going to take? His soul. Wow. Wow, brother. I get into that with him in this interview coming up. Uh, one thing I didn't get into, though, was that they asked Ariel asked Colby about, hey, have you sparred Robbie? And Colby said, yeah, yeah, tons of times. And Ariel's like, well, what happened? Who got the better of it? And Colby quickly said, "I, you know, I don't tell. A, a real man doesn't tell about that. No, I get that that's gym code, Brandon, not to tell. And that's something I forgot and didn't ask Robbie, by the way. So spoiler alert, not getting that answer right now. BC sweating bullets atop that building this morning. But, Brandon, um, I kind of feel like, isn't it on brand for Colby to either lie or to tell what happened and be like, yeah, man, I took him down like like crazy. I destroyed him. Or did do you think it was the opposite and that's his only way of sort of presenting that? Uh, I mean, is he known to be lying about these kinds of things? He's kind of known to be lying about a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, I, I know some of what you're talking about, but I don't know, man. I I feel like there's a piece of truth. And then Colby expands on it. You know, like there's probably a particle of this that's or a morsel that's true. And then Colby makes up the rest of the story and then creates this monster now that is probably going to end him in a few weeks. Wow. Early prediction, early spoiler alert. Hey, let's get into it right now. It's your August 3rd headliner on ESPN. Former champion. He's ruthless. It's hot and sweaty. He's on a New York rooftop with your boy coming at you right now. It's Robbie Lawler. Oh, yeah. Enjoy. The skyline of Manhattan behind us. Things are about to get ruthless on this rooftop with former UFC welterweight champion Robbie Lawler ahead of your August 3rd return. Newark, New Jersey, across the river against Colby Covington on ESPN. Robbie, 
True or false, doing these media rounds, maybe not your favorite thing ever in the world. Yeah, I don't really enjoy this too much, but uh, everyone I've been working with today has done a great job of, of carrying me. All right, I'm going to put you in the hot seat, not just the hot sun under you today, but you're going in there against a true trash talker, a troll in Colby Covington, and there's a little bit of soap opera, a little bit of drama. Not sure if you saw his appearance Monday on ESPN's Ariel Hawani show, but he said this is more than just a fight. There's a beef here. There's a betrayal in terms of your exit from American Top Team. How do you react to that? I don't. I just let him tell whatever story he wants, and I just show up and fight. All right, well, then let's go on the record here. He says, his words, a framed photo of Tyron Woodley's victory over you for the UFC title in 26 was on the wall of ATT, and that led to your exit. <laughs> That's funny. I'm, I'm just being me, and I'm not too worried about what anything anybody thinks. No hard feelings for you and ATT in the long run? None. No, I just moved, moved another direction and moved on. Well, I love that, Robbie, because you've always been about business and fighting. And not even really about business. Just no trash talk, no nothing. It's about getting there. It's about honor. So when you're facing off against a guy in Colby Covington in a hot division, you know this guy's a talker. You know he's a troll. What are your real feeling, feelings? What are your real thoughts on him? Um, I'm not too worried about what he's up to and what he's doing. Uh, I just need to focus on myself, train, make sure I'm in shape, make sure uh, I'm doing all the right things, and uh, get ready for this fight. All right, you may not love making the rounds here on the media, but you've delivered some gems in your past. Let me revisit your 2016 collaboration with that Atlanta TV station. Remember they asked you about Conor McGregor? You said, I'm not here to take this guy's neck. You remember what you said next? Oh, uh, yeah, was different guy, different time. So are you, you said for the record, I'm here to take his soul, and we as media guys popped, we started laughing do you have that same sort of intentions or ill will for Colby August 3rd in Newark? No, I don't have any ill will. It's just it's just the way I fight, and uh, I'm ferocious when I'm out there trying to take people's heads off, get knockouts, and it's just uh, how I've always fought. All right, this division I mentioned, kind of hot right now, to say the least. You're a big name in it. We just saw UFC 239 in Las Vegas this past weekend, a wild card with a wild fight contributing one of the all-time weirdest, wildest, craziest moments in Jorge Masvidal's five-second KO of Ben Askren. Considering that's a fight that's kind of competing for the idea that somebody's going to get the next shot at Kamaru Usman. Tell me about your experience watching that and what you thought. Um, that was very exciting. I've uh, trained with Masvidal, been on a lot of cards with him. <clears throat> very excited for him. Uh, he's fought a long time. He's a true fighter, and um, I'm excited for him. You may not be a big trash talker. He certainly is. There seemed to be real bad blood between him and Ben Askren. Are you okay with the theatrics that came along with that flying knee and sort of the taunting and a lot of people saying that's the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen? I think he's less of a trash talker. I'm thinking he's more of a when everything gets said and done, then he, then he talks after all the business is done. But I don't think he's a huge trash talker. All right. He looked great in his fight. Colby Covington said if he beats you, there's no question about it. He's getting the next title shot, not Jorge Masvidal. You're certainly going to entering this fight thinking you're going to win. Are you thinking the same thing? A win equals a shot at Kamaru. I mean, that's you You never know what's going to happen, but pretty much I have to get ready every day and make sure I get past Colby, and, and uh, that's it. See what happens. All right, from a stylistic standpoint, Colby's an aggressive wrestler. You're a ruthless striker. How's this fight going to play out? What's it going to look like in there? 
Um, I think it's going to be a battle. Uh, two guys going at it. Uh, he's going to try to push me around and, and dictate pace and uh, get in my face and try to grind me out. I have to uh, put my hands on him and uh, stay busy. You certainly can't deny what Colby has done getting to the level of the interim title, beating some big names there. Do you subscribe to the theory, though, when it comes to facing the true elites, which you are, that he's a little bit too one-dimensional as a wrestler? Can he strike with you if needed? Um, I don't really listen to other people's theories. I mean, he's going to be well-prepared, comes from a good camp. Uh, he's beat a lot of guys, and so I have to be sharp in all aspects. So I'm sure he's going to be standing up, mixing his takedowns, and, and doing everything top to bottom. How into are you on the projection of the politics? Kamaru Usman is the champion right now. Looked great beating Tyron Woodley. He's injured. We don't really know when he's going to come back. He told the media this past weekend, I will be back in 2019. And if I had one guy to pick, I want the ruthless one. I want Robbie Lawler, brother. If Kamaru can't make it soon, would you be into the idea of an interim title fight? Would you be in the idea of a violence-on-violence violence matchup with Jorge Masvidal if needed? How do you sort of look at the future even beyond August 3rd? Um, we'll see what happens. I uh, have to get past that one fight, and uh, that's it. And uh, UFC kind of decides all those things. But I know a lot of these guys personally, so uh, we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when it happens. Well, as the sweat drips from our forehead atop this rooftop, if I'm imagining the idea of what a Robbie Lawler three-piece in a soda Jorge Masvidal fight looks like my insides start to make feelings and happenings and noises and rumbles does it do the same for you uh you just hope he doesn't bring the whole buffet so uh he's doing a great job and uh more power to him and I'm excited for him and I'm gonna keep doing what I do is just go out there and try to beat people up all right, you had a fight with Ben Askren, obviously, in your last bout. It's a loss, but it was controversial with the bulldog choke. Did you tap? Did you pass out? Could you give us your breakdown of what actually happened in that one? Um, I kind of told everyone what happened. Uh, Herb checked my freaking arm. I gave him the thumbs up. Obviously, he wasn't paying close attention to that and uh, called it prematurely, and it happens. I mean, uh, first of all, I put myself in that position, so... Uh, Hats off to Ashkin, but uh, what can I can control is how I got in that position, how I cannot get, I don't want to get back in that position. So it's just one of those things you live and learn and, and try to get better. It was a mistake on my part, but uh, I definitely wasn't out and shit happens. I mean, you were completely humble in the post-fight interview, which I respect. The decision was what it was. Did you take any, I don't want to say celebration because that's not your style, but did you take any good feelings Askren gets the win over you, then he takes a devastating loss. Now you're sort of elevated past him in the ladder on getting back to that title shot. No, I wasn't too worried about that. As soon as I got done with my last fight with Askren, I just went back to how can I get better. And, and that's what I always focus on. Everyone's focused on this guy, that guy, how can I get here or there, instead of focusing on themselves and getting better. And uh, there's a lot of areas I need to get better, and I'm going to continue to do it. All right, you're 37. But you still got it. I mean, you dropped Ben Askren on his damn head, if you will. And I know you did, and you still will. So how do you feel against all these young Lions these days? How has the evolution of Robbie Lawler, which was a great story from Strike Force to a UFC world title, but how about the last few years? I know you took a break after the Tyra Woodley loss. How are you feeling right now in general? I feel pretty good. I mean, it's hot up here. But uh, other than that, I mean, i just working hard and uh, trying to get better and taking care of my body and... Uh, helping these young and up-and-comers up uh, get, 
get better so that they can help me get better. So it's all about a give and take with these new fighters, and they're helping me. I'm helping them. All right, all right. Well, your evolution, I mentioned, was always a great story because you were this fun brawler with Strike Force. Yes, you won a title with Elite XC back when Gary Shaw was wearing those full sweatsuits. Oh, I know yeah. we all remember those oh, days. Yeah. But you returned to Newark for the first time in 17 years on August 3rd, going back to Elite XC, your first fight with Scott Smith, 2002. What kind of memories do you have from those days? Uh, I'm not sure of those dates, but... Uh, oh, 2008. I'm sorry. 2008 yeah. was that fight. So, I mean... I've fought a lot of places. Uh, it's business as usual. It could be outside, in the backyard. It could be down the street. It doesn't really matter. I just show up and fight, and uh, it's just an octagon, and uh, it's going to be me and Kobe. My reference to 17 years ago, 2002, is your UFC debut. Yep. UFC 37, I believe. You came in, I mean, at a time that that's really prehistoric almost to be comparison to where we are today, 2019, billion-dollar ESPN deals. How much do you think back of that? You came in and, and, and back then, and you're still going today. Um, I just had a lot of good people around me uh, teach me the ropes, and uh, I was blessed enough to uh, always want to work on my body and make sure I'm taking care of myself and uh, just continuing to do that, uh, take care of myself and, and stay smart and train smart. I mentioned Kamar Usman was – mentioned your name as a guy. He'd like to fight for the title. What was your opinion of – his victory over Tyron Woodley and him now standing as the new UFC welterweight champion. Um, he's doing a great job. He's a very strong athlete. Uh, he broke uh, T. Wood down really well, uh, imposed his will, and pretty much won start to finish of that fight. And uh, Hell of a competitor. He's a very smart fighter who uh, breaks people down. You were supposed to, of course, rematch Tyron Woodley a couple weeks ago. Fight fell through. Woodley's hurt. How much do you... Still want that fight from the idea of retribution, getting back what was lost at UFC 201 when he lost the world title. Um, I think it's a big fight, uh, not because of anything you said, because he's the number one ranked guy in uh, the world, uh, second in line. So it's a big fight as far as getting you up there. But it is what it is. You live and learn in life. And uh, from that loss, I uh, was able to learn a lot of stuff, clean up a lot of aspects and that I needed to clean up, and uh, everything's a learning experience, and I'm getting better. Getting up here on top of the roof, so I won't hold you much longer with this beautiful view of Manhattan behind us. You'll be coming back, of course, across the river July 3rd in Newark. So, Robbie Lawler at 37, still pretty damn ruthless. We love watching the highlights of the McDonald brawls and all that great stuff, but why are you still in it? What is still motivating you today? I love competing. I love getting better. I love pushing myself every day, and I, and I love uh, fighting all these youngsters and uh, pushing myself to the limit uh, to be, be the best I can be. All right. Final thoughts here as we enter ESPN August 3rd. I know you don't want to get in the Colby Covington drama. I know you don't want to return his trash talk fire with your own or play up any kind of bad exit from ATT, but you have a message for this guy, for the MAGA champion of the world the former interim belt holder, Colby Covington. Nope. Tough words from a tough man. We'll see him back in that cage. I will get a sweat rag. August 3rd on ESPN, headlining Robbie Lawler back. Maybe that close to another title shot. Can't wait to see it. Thanks so much, Robbie. Thank you. Oh, yeah, we're back. Hey, special thanks to Robbie Lawler for joining me. Brando, I love him because it's, like, pull no punches, dude. I'm Robbie Lawler. I like fighting people. Not for the money. Not for the fame. Not for the trash talk. Because I'm a ruthless competitor deep inside. I think that was more 
charismatic of a Lawler than normal. And I think it was kind of on brand for him to straight up no sell every single thing Colby said and basically say, nope, didn't happen that way. Nope, nope, nope. Off camera, I, I pushed it a little deeper and he basically said, look, man, I know the real story about what happened to ATT. My family knows it. ATT knows it. It's really not that big of a deal. Everybody's cool. I'm fine with ATT. And everything Colby's saying is not true. And why would I fire back at them? Colby's trying to win some mental game against me. If I just don't respond, it's no longer a game. That was pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, this is like the paradigm of kind of what John Jones and Tiago Santos went through last week where Tiago is not going to be baited into a war of words with John Jones at all. And John Jones says whatever he wants. And then there's not really a response there. So I get it. Like he's, I mean, he's ruthless Robbie Lawler. Like this has always been how he handles things. Even with the Tyron Woodley fight, he didn't do any of that. Like he did that sound bite <laughs> that now lives in infamy in the lead up, but he didn't go back and forth with Rot with Tyron. Like Tyron said what he needed to say. And Robbie was just like, whatever, let's go fight. <laughs> I mean, that's what he's really about. And it's like, you know, I pushed him a couple times, you know, like, are you going to take Colby's soul? Are you mad? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, just, just, you know, it's a fight and I'm going to go out there and, and, and fight really hard. And it's like, can't hate on that guy, man. He's, <laughs> he's old. He's an old school warrior. And it is by the way, insane to really think about I mean, he was back in the prehistoric. I know guys like Vitor, Vitor Belfort and Chael Sonnen who are still lingering, like actually legitimately debuted in like the mid to late 90s back when people were wearing boots and there were no rules. But like Robbie Lawler in 2002, not that far removed from that. With hair, too. Yes. Yes. Very true. Very true. Indeed. Thank you, Robbie Lawler. You're picking Robbie Lawler by, by murder. I know it. Uh, I don't know yet. Right. I might take Colby. All right, bro. If he was a girl, you would say he has a badonka dog. <laughs> that dude's got some thick legs. He does. The former Who's that in reference to? The former champ's got thick legs, bro. I don't. I don't have to tell you. I don't have to tell you the reasoning behind these these random sound bites. I'm a white boy, and I'm Jack. Deal with it. Deal with my soundboard, Brandon. All right, all right. My soundboard works. Thank you. That got that got half of your description right. <laughs> I'm, uh, dude, that light, I'm so close to hitting that light switch because the, my in, the inside of my body, like what makes the person change, Brandon? What <laughs> makes a person wake up and say, today's the day. I don't fool around. It's not day 1A or B anymore. It's actually day 1-ish. I need to change. It's up to us as a people to start making some changes, right? Let's change the way we eat. Let's change the way we treat each other. You see, the old way wasn't working. So it's on us to do what we got to do. Is this, a, is this a Ren song? No, that's that's the uh, the legend um, Tupac Shakur. I don't know if that was probably before your time. You were, you were born in like 1998. It was probably before your time, by the way. Anyway, Brandon, um, I don't know what makes a man change. For me today, though, it's intense Aj that is really saying to me, change or die, which really is on brand with our sparring match. Hashtag Campbell Wise. Survive or die. You can't be the A-side if you haven't started training. Brandon, I don't need that long. And by the way, the closer I can get to death, the more <laughs> real this fight will feel. Do you know that? All right? And I'm pretty close. 
I'm pretty close. Okay. Right okay. Now. Okay. I'm like John Jones. I sound like Sean Combs, and I got trombone-sized stones like John Holmes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. That's all I got. All right, uh, Brandon. What else we got in the uh, in the news cycle? You got anything for me? You you want to tell me about your life, your your dog Ryder? Anything? You want to get to some DM slides? Yeah, yeah. What do you got this week? What do you got? Let's break down. Let's hear from the people. What do you got? Here's the first one for you uh, from our buddy at the False Hope. Does it, BC wait, really look that, like a that? ninth grade PE teacher? Oh, how dare you! Who is the at the False Hope? That's not quality bloke, right? <laughs> No, that's your other friend who you did not understand his uh, Twitter name. All right. Um, that it was an inside joke. BC looks like a uh, ninth grade gym teacher. Not cool. Not true. Yeah, it's it's pretty accurate. I BC's mean, going to be 41 this month. All right. Give me a couple months. I, I, I know another 41-year-old that works with us that doesn't look anything like Stop you. It. He's of he's of a different cloth, all right? But I will <laughs> I will reach his cloth. I will touch his cloth. Whoa. All right? Whoa. Yeah, I will. I will. Whoa. Okay? I did. I did. I, I just said it, okay? All right. Um, No, BC doesn't look. BC is cool. Like, this guy, BC, a little washed right now. I can't lie to you, right? Like, as as our boss, Karen Portley, would say, a little bit of shelving I'm building up, right, on, on the uh, – <laughs> On the chest and, and stomach area, but it's it's all going away. It's really basically what makes a man change. Sweating balls on a rooftop in the summer, as you as you drip through your dress shirt, and you remind yourself, "Well, I'm not in great shape right now." Like Robbie Lawler, he was so hot after this interview, he just took his shirt right off. All right, mm-hmm. this guy didn't, and now it's time that I get back to that point. All right, thank you. Then okay. then you worry about me coming in that sparring ring. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whatever you say, buddy. Hey, okay, bro, get ready. The shirt's coming off. But black folks love me, man. Black girls love me too, man. I get hit on by black girls all the time. I'd be like, I'll be showing, I'll be showing my nipple. I'll be doing my nipple dance. I got a nipple dance coming for you. Inside. Please that keep room. your shirt on while we're doing pretty, this podcast. Pretty soon. All right. What else are the people saying this week? Uh, our boy Dylan Hager hit us up and said, with Nico Montano and Jermaine Durandamay both fighting this weekend, he's got to know who had the more disappointing run as champ. <laughs> <laughs> that's like uh which which fart smells worse that's really what, what dylan hager's asking right there wow bro um so to recap jermaine durandamy actually outpointed the great holly holm over five boring rounds in brooklyn and then was stripped for her refusal to fight cyborg due to ped fears and a want to rehab an injury then there's nico montano who through an up string of upsets, wins the ultimate fighter, gets a chance to fight for the title. Who'd she beat? Was it Roxy? Was it Roxy Montefiore? Uh, was it? I think she beat Roxy. And then she Continue. got stripped for what? Missing weight in her first title defense. And now we'll never hear from her again. Um, I will say the worst by far here is Nico Montano because Jermaine Durand me, at least, Brandon, was a fighter you had kind of almost heard of before that. You knew about her kickboxing uh, pedigree, her history there, and she beat Holly Holm, right? Both got screwed. I think Montano got screwed more, but was certainly a far less believable champion and really both banged the drum that, hey, UFC, you don't have the talent or depth to put out these divisions, and you rushed both of them as well, which is why history will tell us that Germain Durandamy and Nico Montano once wore the strap. So just a full 
full circle on Nico. She did beat Roxanne in December 2017, unanimous decision to claim the flyweight title, was then scheduled to fight Soraya Eubanks. Uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. Soraya is the one who pulled out of that fight. That's why she fought Roxanne. But then she was scheduled to fight Valentina last December, last September at no, UFC no, 228. No, no, Soraya didn't pull out. Montano missed weight and got hospitalized and couldn't make the fight. Then Soraya got plugged in, and then she missed weight but still beat Roxy in New York. All okay. right. That's, Are you sure? Yeah, man. Roxanne. Right? Wow. My, just Peter Brady. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway. Um. Yeah, so then she was supposed to fight Valentina last September and then got hospitalized the day of the fight, I think it was, or or at weigh-ins. Or at weigh-ins, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So then she was stripped of the belt and has never fought – has not fought since. She has not fought in a UFC fight since beating Matafari on December 1st, 2017. Yeah, the answer is Nico. God bless her. Yep. You got anything One else? more. Yeah, what do you One got? One more. Our producer, the great Mikey Mormile. I love that guy. Came- Came over the top. He said, what does Amanda Nunes need to do to pass John Jones in goat talk? It's a, it's a fair conversation here. Um, let's let's have that legitimate conversation. We tease that on our reaction show. What, what, what would she have to do? Because I think it's separate from pound for pound. I don't think men's and women's pound for pound should be together. Because that pound for pound is like the mythical idea if they all fought. Right. And they're not going to fight. All right. Women's suffrage is a real thing. Women can vote. They can drive cars. They can fight. But until men and women are fighting each other, it's not uh, weird, you know. But in the the goat talk is different. It's a little bit more about it's a little bit more about accomplishment based. Um, it's going to be hard because the women's game is so new, and because it's so new, the talent pool is so shallow of depth of quality. I mean, by the day, by the way, Ronda Rousey's great reign. Like, you're never going to take away from Ronda Rousey the impact she had on the sport, bringing women to the forefront. It's only because of her that there's a UFC women's game, of course. But day by day, her reign looks less and less because the sport's evolving and people are getting better. Just like Hoist Gracie, by the way. True legend. But no one's thought, and I know that he had a little bit different because it was open weight, so it was a little more dangerous. But those guys had no chance against him, right? Yeah. So it's that same way. But yet, even with that as your long-winded foundation, Brandon, I will tell you that Nunes has destroyed everybody she's been in the damn cage with, with the exception of Shevchenko, and yet she beat her twice. So she's kind of done everything we would have wanted. She's gotten better. She's destroying. Why are you pointing at me? <laughs> I'm not pointing at you. Did I, do I have a, a, a bugar? What do I have going on? <laughs> Mario was walking by. That that forty one year old Mario, yeah, I'm telling yeah, him I'm coming yeah. for him too. All right, thank you. All right, um, no, don't, actually, do not tell that man that that man's actually <laughs> trying to train for a fight right now. Don't go near that man. Anyway, Brandon, what would she have to do? She's kind of doing everything possible in her power. She not only cleaned out, uh, cleaned out her division, beat every possible legend, moved up and fought the greatest of all time at the time, Cyborg, and even tried to move down. And cut some weight to see if it's possible that she could take Shevchenko's belt. So what else could she do to pass Jones? She'd have to linger for a long time. And she'd have to never lose again. And she'd have to continue to evolve and get better, which she's doing, which is amazing. 
and she'd have to basically get busy with both titles and be every person that's eligible to fight her. And at the same time, women's MMA in those two divisions would have to quickly get into the reproductive phase and produce some names or more credible fighters for her to beat. No, not that type of reproduction. I mean, what does, what the hell the hell is wrong with you, okay? <laughs> number four, number five here, um, I don't know if it's going to happen, Brandon. I mean, John Jones is amazing, and his run is a longer and more impressive, and he's eventually going to move up to heavyweight. And guess what, Brandon? You ready for this? You ready for me to tell you some freaking truth? Bro. Speak it, bro. When John Jones moves up to heavyweight, he's going to be all of those guys. Uh... It's going to look like Roy Jones against John Ruiz when he moved up to heavyweight. Will there always be danger? Yes. It's heavyweight MMA with four-ounce gloves. But he has the size. More importantly, he has the smarts. He certainly has the speed. He's got a longer reach than all those guys. He kicks way better than all those guys. When that guy moves up, he's going to put distance in that goat talk. Distance between him and Spider Silva, GSP, Fedor, Daniel Cormier, Demetrius Johnson, and Amanda Nunez, who all currently have a seat at the big table. Not the big boy table, the big person table. Okay, Amanda, welcome to immortality. Thank you. You've done great. I do not think you can catch John Jones unless this man starts imploding and losing and damaging his reputation. Your thoughts, wiseth. Okay, so you want me to give you thoughts after you just went on like a three and a half minute yes, rant? because that's what we do on podcasts, all right? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go back a little bit to your comparisons for Ronda Rousey at this point and where she fits in history. You think she's Gracie? I would say she's closer to Chuck Liddell just because of the impact that she had, the crossover stardom, that she was the next quote-unquote crossover athlete from UFC that made an impact on the sport. Um, But yeah, I think Amanda is at the point where, like you said, she's going to need to linger. But I just don't – like we put John Jones up there and we say that he might be hurting his legacy – by fighting Johnny Walker weirdos and well, not Anthony hurting Smith. it, just 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 lateraling it. But it's not it's not doing anything, right? So how would how would it be the any different for Amanda to just keep fighting Aspen Lads or Jermaine Durandamies or Soraya Eubanks's? You know, like how is that helping her legacy at all when she's already beaten everybody? You know, to me, like that's the only thing is like we're only going to make her legacy grow, quote unquote. If she's beating more former champions or current champions, it's, but she's already got both belts. You know, I, I really don't know what more she's going to need to do. But I do agree with you that if she is going to make it bigger and better, it's only going to happen once the divisions get deeper and there's more th- real threats to her and her power. Because at this point, I, there's just there's nobody with the power, skill or agility and speed that's going to keep like do anything to make her feel threatened. I don't think that's fair. She's almost sealing doubt without other competition available. She's teammates. You say with Kayla Harrison, the lightweight (coughs) phenom 
yeah, she could probably fight Shevchenko a third time at 35, and I'd be here for it. Let's get a rematch going with Cyborg, all that stuff. That's it. That's the bottom line. Yes. Are you ready to get on to this weekend's festivities, Brandon? Yes, sir. Is there a Bellator card this weekend? On ain't, Friday, yeah, actually. Ain't there like a Julia Budd main-evented Bellator card? In uh, your favorite, Thackersville, Oklahoma. Oh, God. Can I bring in Keith Thurman to tell you about that, about what I feel about that? Yes or no? You should just go ahead and do it. All right. You got to give me more time. Okay. Um, <laughs> regarding this Bellator card this weekend. Sounded boring. Let everybody talk about it the next day. Still sounded boring. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All that build All up right. for that crap right there. All right. So you got Julia Budd against Olga Rubin in the main event for the featherweight world title. You got to watch out for Olga. She's got childbearing hips. You got to be careful. Okay. I have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) You've got Rafael Carvalho against Chidi and Joe Kuwani. Oh, I I like that. That that guy bangs. All right. Middleweight co-main event. Juliana Velasquez against Christina Williams. Women's flyweight feature fight. Okay. And... Your boy Ed Ruth is back. I want to see that. I want to see that. Kichi Kunimoto. Oh, yeah. That guy will be driving the Uber on the way home for <laughs> Ed Ruth as well. Uh, PFL this Thursday. PFL 4 in Atlantic City. Magomed, Magomed Karamov. Yes. In your main event. All right. Let's get into. But also, and uh, Kayla Harrison's on that card as well. Oh, she is. All right. I will watch that. She's coming yes. off of that decision win in which I guess she was unhappy with her performance. I'll watch that ish. But this Saturday, UFC Sacramento takes over ESPN Plus, Brandon. And we have the co-main eventer, the hometown boy, the California kid, the UFC Hall of Famer, and the reason why people will watch this card on this podcast his name is the great Mr. Faber, Uriah. Sarajah, you, 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 Uriah Faber, coming at you right now from International Fight Week. It's yours to enjoy. The ageless wonder, Uriah Faber, back from the UFC Hall of Fame, back from retirement next Saturday night. You'll be back on the card in Sacramento against Ricky Simone. How are you feeling about this idea? Man, I feel great. I, uh, I mean, the fight life is a tough life, absolutely. <clears throat> and uh, you get reminded of that as soon as you get back in the mix on a full-time purpose, like go. Of course, being in the gym every day is one thing. Being present at practice is another thing, but actually getting in practice and mixing it up, uh, it's tough on the body and cutting weight and everything else. It's, it's been, uh, you know, it's a love-hate relationship. I, I definitely love the process and, and enjoy a lot of things about it, but you're also getting beat up. So um, I'm excited, man. You're not coming back against, quote-unquote, an old name that you can make a fun fight against. You're going in there against a hungry young guy who has a bright future. Tell me about the, the, the choice in picking Simone as an opponent. Well, I don't pick my opponent. So they, aff- they actually offered me Cron uh, Gracie first as the main event at 145 pounds. And... Um, you know, that sounded interesting. Uh, he, he didn't end up wanting the fight. And, and in all reality, if I want to be most competitive, it's at 135 pounds. And I had kind of prepped for that with a grappling match where I was making 145 first. And, and, uh, 
And so there's a couple other names, but at the end of the day, aside from the guys that are on my team or suspended, uh, there aren't like a massive, you know, massive names unless I want to jump up a weight. And I've done that before in the past. So I, I like a hungry kid that I, that I respect. I, I like him as an, as a fighter, as an individual. He actually came and trained with us about six years ago. And I remember him as a person, not as his training per se. And, uh, it's gonna be a tough fight, man. Very tough fight. What brings you back the most? I'm sure the answer in the end is a little bit of everything. Nice paychecks, challenge yourself. But really, what's the one thing that drives you back into the cage? Just following my heart. You know, when, when I start thinking that I want to fight and I'm getting the itch to fight, uh, it's the same reason why I stopped when I was trying to find the motivation. I actually got ex- super excited for the last fight. It was, you know, going out as a retirement fight in my hometown, the first one in the new arena. And for me, it's just about, I do what I want. And uh, right now I feel like I want to fight. All right. The time away, you became a father for the first time. Congratulations. How much did that time do mentally to rewire you, to, to rebuild you to come back? Um, I've, I've never had trouble getting motivated, but having a, a brand new baby that's looking at you every day is definitely a different type of purpose and different type of motivation. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's different. It really is. And, and I don't necessarily think it's, it's going to give me super, superhuman powers, but as far as getting me motivated and making me want to fight, uh, I think probably has something to do with it. If you get your hand raised in Sacramento against Ricky Simone and you're back, are we going to hear a little bit of TJ Dillashaw, get your ish together in the post-fight interview? <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's so I, I get asked about TJ Dillashaw probably more than anyone else, and I had to put my phone and ignore media for like a week and a half after he got busted, um, and I finally made some comments about it. But at the end of the day, Henry Cejudo just called me out. You know, he's one of the best fighters on the planet, Olympic champion, two-time UFC champion. To get yourself revved up. Fighting someone who may be one of the best ever is a, is a very exciting proposition. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. TJ's still a year and a half out. Um, I'll be 41 and a half at the time. Who knows? I don't know if I'll be reverse aging at that time, but uh, probably not. Mr. Faber, as the great Saints Northcutt would, would, would tell you, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck on the comeback in Sacramento. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the fights. All right. Special thanks to Mr. Faber. Brandon, I love... When guys take a break from the sport, get some, cause you know, this sport, it doesn't always pay enough. It forces you to stay really active. Great for fans. Not always great for fighters. They fight through injuries. They do a lot of craziness, but sometimes they take a break. And I know Faber is a little bit of a different case because he's old. He retired. He's already in the hall because they don't wait. You can retire tomorrow. They'll put you in the hall the next night, basically, but he's 40 years old and he sounds looks and seems to feel reborn by the break, yet he's taken on a tough man in Ricky Simone, who's kind of a riser at Bantamweight. What are your thoughts on Faber's interview and whether we should all hold out hope here that this is anything but, hey, let's see if I still got it. I have very little expectations for him in this fight, man. I... I understand what you're saying about it's good that you see some guys take time off and, and make their way back, but he didn't show me anything in his last few fights that gave me any indication he can compete at the elite level anymore. Like it was, it wasn't sad to watch because he wasn't getting stopped and finished and all that, but he just clearly wasn't winning fights. You know, like he was just 
out there and getting outpointed. I think who did he beat in his last fight? His uh, farewell fight was it that uh Brad that weird Pickett. cowboy, Brian Brad, Pickett? Yeah, Brad Pickett. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I don't know. I. I think Ricky Simone is somebody that he's probably not taking seriously enough. Like Ricky Simone is legitimately good fighter, and I don't know if he's under the impression that he just thinks he's going to walk through Ricky Simone because didn't he, he said he handpicked him kind of right. Like they kind of just presented no, him. He said he doesn't pick his fights, but he didn't have a problem with it. You know, I would have thought he was going to come back against a veteran, a Cub Swanson type. We've had this argument before, but um, he's helping them move tickets here. I just don't get in heck how he's not in the main event. And you can sit and certainly argue and say, BC, what do you want? A 40 year old guy who's been off for, three years almost to come back in a five round main event. No, I don't think every main event should be five rounds. I think when Bellator puts Chael Sonnen out there in the main event and they go three, it makes sense, but I'm into this fight. I want to see if he still has it. I don't know where the end game would be. Well, actually I do. Cause you heard him in that interview. He said, Henry Cejudo called them out. So he kind of does have reason, Brandon to be the best he can at 40 to beat Ricky Simone, which will be a tough fight. I just don't know about that. I don't know if I want to see Henry Cejudo defend his Bantamweight title against Uriah Faber. Actually, I know that I don't know that. I know that I know that I don't want that. You know that I don't know. Wait, it's it's your bull. (laughs) It's a bad fight. Uh, Again, I I don't think I can say it enough. I do not need to. Like, I was so happy when Faber decided to call it a career after the picket fight. And uh, I just don't need him back in this. Like, is it? This just had has bad news and more injuries written all over it. All He's right. doing so well as a coach and manager at Team Alpha Male. Like He's got why the donger. Is, why is he why does he feel like he needs to do this? I just don't get it. Uh this card on Saturday is not great. Couple fights I do want to see that I care about. Of course the main How event How dare you? How dare you? Of course the main event is women's bantamweight Jermaine Durandamy, the former featherweight champion, coming back in their first time since when? Uh, she beat Raquel Pennington last November, hadn't fought for a year and a half since the home win before that. Uh, she's 35. Yeah, the I don't really pop for the Iron Lady. This is a homecoming opportunity for Aspen Ladd in the main event to look good. And by the way, if she does beat Jermaine Durandamy on this type of mini win streak, then it's a, it, is a, it is a very good win for the young prospect. Do you have anything to say about this fight more than what I just did? Uh, No. I think Aspen Ladd is probably going to look fantastic. I don't. I think Jermaine Durandamy looked good in her fight against Rocky, but that just more speaks to Rocky at this point than her. Speaking of uh, Rocky, you claimed on our instant analysis card that maybe Rocky and Tiny Tornado are on the ropes. Maybe I checked both their Instagrams. It may support that, Brandon. I tried to. I gave you the facts. That's all I did. I present facts to you, sir. All right. She's also training for a fight next week too. She's fighting in San Antonio. All right. All right, that's that. Um, I know what you really care about. You really care about this featherweight bout. Josh Emmett returns against your boy, the septic tank, Mirsad Bektik. Speak The it, greatest bro. mustache. The greatest mustache in MMA. This um, guy sent uh, Godofredo Pepe to hell a couple fights ago. This guy, Bektik, fresh off the win over Ricardo Lamas. What do you got? What do you got for him? He was like the original 145 rising prospect out of Eastern Europe who I fell in love with in, in his his rise. He had a couple of setback losses. No, he, but had, he had one, bro. It was just the Darren Elkins fight in which he was winning by a lot. Oh, that's right. Okay. And you know he's also on this card, right? 
I did not know that weird. Darren Elkins is fighting Ryan Hall on this card. Yeah, I'll watch that. All right. All right. Um, but yeah, I think Bechtick is in that situation where he's close enough. If he looks good, he's probably one win away from closing the distance on the top five in the uh, featherweight rankings. But Josh Emmett is back again after that crazy knockout he had over Michael Johnson earlier this year. I mean, if that dude's still got the power, that's a really fun fight. I'm in. I'm in on that. Uh, Juliana Pena against Nico Montano. The preview. How about how dare you skipping over your boy John Volante? First of all, that guy's not my boy, and I did skip <laughs> over Andre Touchy Feely coming back at featherweight against Shaman Mirage. Um, yeah, a couple guys I want to see. Small card in comparison to recent ones. That's all I got. The show's over. All right, that's it, Brandon. What are you gonna say to me about that? I got nothing, man. I'm tired. Yeah, you sound you sound very tired. Okay, I'm, I'm booing you. Are you guys booing me? No, boo oh, you, guys, you better not boo me. I'm booing Brandon. Okay, Al. Okay, Raging Al. Why don't you sell me a condo? <laughs> All right, that's the show for this week. Special thanks to Uriah Faber. Uh, the other guy, too. Robbie Lawler <laughs> and your boy, Brandon Wise. Uh, Rashad will be back. Our boy, Rashad Evans, will be back. So will BC. I'll be back refreshed from this trip. No, I'll you won't. At, You're going to be in Vegas. You're right. I will be washed <laughs> to the to the gills here. All right. Uh, I need I need something to keep me going, Brandon. Keep me up. Right. Keep me like I'm, like no more dick pills. No, right? no, not that. Not that. Just, that uh, you need that Ripper nutrition. I, I I think I need to get back on the purple and the pink there from our boy Badu Jack. Uh, that's the show for this week. Follow us on State of Combat. Leave your five star review. Tell us why you love the show and check out my new project. Showtime Sports under the Brendan Shaw Below the Belt banner every Monday at noon live on Showtime's digital channels. It's called Morning Combat with your boy BC and Luke Thomas. Yes. Thank you. State of Combat in your ear hole. Now it's out. Brandon, two words for the people. We out. We out.